Welcome back to episode 11 of the Screen Bay podcast. On this week's show, we talk about that new Suicide Squad trailer. As well as that, we give our thoughts on Judas and the Black Messiah. The podcast ends with the great screen debate, where this week's topics include what best supporting actor winner had the best performance, who will be the standout character in the new Suicide Squad, and what comedy actor should star in a horror film. This and much more on Ireland's best film and TV podcast, Screenbait. Hello and welcome back to episode 11 of the Screen Bay podcast. In a big week full of not much happening, the Suicide Squad trailer dropped today. Not a, not a direct sequel to the 2016 car crash, but a sequel of sorts. Uh, Harley Quinn returns and the Boomerang Man returns. And Viola Davis returns. And what's that other character? Rick Flag, the imminently forgettable Rick Flag. The Rick Flag, Joel Kinnaman's character. What were our thoughts, guys, watching this three-minute trailer? Uh, me and Ashling are here too. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say we never, like intro- we never do introductions. Never do introductions. You're always there. They know it's not just me. Every episode is somebody's first episode, and what if they just started listening to this for the first time, just and then one all of a sudden these voices seep in? Hello, welcome. Welcome to Susan School. What's going on? We're just there. It's like, oh, he's forgot to say. He's forgot to say her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, Suicide Squad trailer came out. I was thought it was funny enough. I was hoping for more. Uh, I guess kind of the gore and blood that the kind of he was talking he kept hyping up he kept hyping up it was going to be a Red Band trailer and that it was and his adaptations going to be more like a graphic like the graphic comics that the Suicide Squad were there was a bit of that but it was mainly mm. just a lot of jokes like setting up for jokes and jokes there wasn't a lot of that but some of them were quite funny and some of them were yeah yeah I was definitely disappointed in it but at the same time I think I'm kind of relieved that I was disappointed with it because after the last time just getting so hyped over the trailer and the disappointment that followed, I'd rather be disappointed by the trailer and have really low expectations going yeah, in. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll be, I'll, I'd be surprised if it isn't a good film or like a good time because like, he loves that stuff and he's get, he has more range than he does even on Guardians to use like the weirdest of the weird characters from DC and he can see them mm-hmm. all on display. It was just like, I think the way it was edited was kind of like, it was just set up for joke. There wasn't a lot of like, you know, the classic like good looking action to get you kind of hooked in. But I did like... Uh, the stuff with King Shark whenever when he ripped that person in half that was the best shot of the whole thing with the rain behind him that's pretty cool <laughs> one of the standout scenes for me when it was just that weasel character in his cage just licking that yeah, window yeah, yeah, yeah. 100% <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a little bit nervous about DC like with their notoriously bad CG having two characters that are purely they CG too bad I'm a little bit in concerned the King Shark looked pretty mm. cool. I like the way he was just sitting in the conference room, looking chilling like a dude, <laughs> like everyone else. And yeah. He's putting his hand up. I was like, he just kind of sits. He kind of blends in nicely for somehow. But uh, it also has Polka that man in the trailer, which I cannot. You know, I don't think I've ever rooted for a character to survive more 
I haven't even spoken <laughs> that man. I don't even know much about him. But I remember hearing about him years ago. I watched this video and it was like the worst like comic book characters ever like created. And he was like <laughs> top two. Like the weirdest, like most redundant character ever made. And was, there's no way there's a character called Polka Dot Man who has a polka dot suit. And he's getting a live action yeah. debut. And I have to say like out of all of the characters that we were introduced to in that trailer, I think he was the one that I immediately grew an attachment yes. to. Yes, I did. I could see it being like... um. Like when they were saying that, oh, we're going to make an Ant-Man movie and everybody was kind of really dubious about it and then everybody ended up loving Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of standout men in the trailer, though. Like, who we who we rooting for? John Cena or Idris Elba? Like, who's the leader? They said Idris Elba mm-hmm. was the leader in it at one stage. Idris Elba got... is, like, the leader of it, I think. And then he's, like, the second in command, I guess. Uh, or, like, he's one of the second in command, I don't know. But uh, John Cena... John Cena said that his character is like Captain America if he was a cringy douche. That's what he said his his character is. So I was like, that's pretty that's a pretty good way to sell it. Um yeah. I thought Rick Flag was the leader of the Suicide Squad though, because he usually in Aldum he's the leader, like in the comics I think and the last movie. Mm-hmm. So I wonder will that be like a dynamic where he, where Bloodsport is like taking over. I mean I'm very happy for there to be less Rick Flag. No offense to Joel Kinnaman, but he's just it wasn't I mean, it's kind of like we were saying last week with um, Enchantress, just not leaving an impression at all. Similarly, I think her, James Gunn her is going to make boyfriend. everyone from the last one goofier. Like, it was like, like I'm not sure if like Flag is already cracking jokes in this one. Of the guy coughing, you know, you're they kind of he's using like a serious kind of tone to use it. I guess I like the part when they're going to say Freddie mm-hmm. Quinn and she's already out, and the the interaction he has with her mm-hmm. then is pretty cool. Um, yeah, I like a lot of the visuals as well. It reminded me a lot of Guardians of the Galaxy, the way he edited and the colour palette of that trailer. It was very colourful yeah, yeah, and bright. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I like the shot of them in the rain, all on the line, walking. That was cool. I hope that giant kaiju thing isn't the big bad. It literally, it literally <laughs> looked like an evil Patrick Starr if he was it's on steroids. Star- it's, it's a character from the comics called Starro, apparently. I think it'll just okay. be a thing they fight in the middle of it that someone has. It's just a massive walking star. I wonder if that's Taika Waititi's character <laughs> because he hasn't. No, no one has said who he's playing yet. Oh, that's what I was I, thinking because uh, he has experience doing like the motion capture. I wonder stuff. if it's like just a giant star and he has like the most lovable little New Zealand accent again, where it's like really squeaky. Hey guys, <laughs> steroids. <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's like. Oh, yeah. Hopefully it's like the thing they fight at the beginning of the film, setting up the actual movie, and we're not. We don't know the mm. ending already. <laughs> I think most. I think most Honestly. of the film takes place on that island, the forest one with the with the again. They're they're fighting some. The mm. villain I think is mainly a, like a corrupt fucking general in some army in some on some island. So they like just kind of take place in that. Just like loads of action there. I think that'll be the main premise. And maybe that star thing will just be some some of the some weapon they have. Or as far as I know, they said it on um Court of Maltese, which is like a made up mm. place that was in um oh. oh. The Dark Knight Returns, you know that graphic novel, like the really, really famous yeah, one where it's yeah, like where old Batman, fight, yeah, and yeah. yeah. So at least they're digging into the oh, lore. Yeah. They got they got poke that man. How deep can you go? <laughs> That's old school. <laughs> I, oh, I can't wait. I think he's gonna be. The, I think he's gonna be great in it. I have a feeling because I love mm-hmm. that guy, that actor David Dasmalchin. He just pops up in everything, like comic book. He's yeah. In, yeah. It's like I think he's like the only actor who is in like the Nolan Batman movies. And the Marvel Universe, and the DC yeah. Universe, and he was yeah. in Gotham. 
the TV show. <laughs> yeah, even my brother actually I recognized him. My little brother James like watched the trailer. And he's like, that guy's in everything. I mean, he's like, yeah. the and Ant Man, and he just just pops up. He seems like a cool dude in real life. Mm-hmm. That guy as well. Like whenever he inter- he's interviewed, so I hope he like steals the show because is that like shot of him like dancing at a club as well and he's like having the time of his life I'm like why yeah. is he in so many scenes he's in so many different locations he's gonna be yeah, I can't wait well it'll be out in August streaming on HBO Max and hopefully by then we have a cinema of some sort to go back to fingers but, crossed yeah surely it couldn't be any worse so looking forward to it at no, least yeah. not to dredge up any harsh memories but what were your guys' experiences going to see the first Suicide Squad movie oh, in cinema stop I was so excited when that first trailer <laughs> came out I was this is going to be so much fun this is going to be a wild time it's going to be like a unique you know comic book movie it's going to be gritty it's going to be gory and this is going to be like just a good time like, do you remember how good like the first trailer was real dark I didn't mind that and all the next trailers like the one with like the Bohemian Rhapsody one I was like what a great cut trailer mm, that was cut yeah. with the music and I was like this looks great and then and then I saw it <laughs> <laughs> and then you yeah. saw it and I just sat there and everything I changed there in so I was like it's one giant trailer <laughs> the movie is one big trailer for itself <laughs> it doesn't make any sense honestly I was like I'm watching a movie that is a trailer for itself the way it's mm-hmm. cut, remember how bad those ca- credit cards were for the characters that come up and they're just recruiting them? Like, this guy, oh, yeah. Deathstro, he's mean with a gun and he's mean <laughs> with his mouth. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> and then, of course, the classic line what is it? Uh, it's Slipknot, the man who can climb anything. <laughs> it's all, yeah. <laughs> it's like, Katana, oh. you better not get killed by your sword. Don't blow it. <laughs> This is Katana. You don't want to get in her way. That's her sword. She's got yeah. souls in it. She's taken out many men with that sword. She's killed him. I am talking about murder. She is able to speak, but as the resident white man, I will tell you she what this Japanese woman is for you. But I will not let her. Yeah, well, she's in the boys now, and we yeah, get to enjoy her she in is that. Good in that. Yeah. Who else was in the suit in the old suit? That's what that was. Oh, they had the classic line. What are we? Some kind of suicide squad. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna miss Will Smith. I'll be honest, guys. Yeah, they have they have a similar line in this show though, where someone's like, "This is suicide," and he's like, "That's kind of our thing." That's at least better than what are we? Some kind of suicide squad. Mm. They should do that for every movie. Someone has to just say the title in the middle of the. Movie. What are we? Some kind of men in black. <laughs> what, what are we? Some kind of Zack Snyder's Justice League. <laughs> <laughs> what are we specifically? Zack Snyder's just just like we, some kind of Zack Snyder club? <laughs> oh god. We also watched a film this week, as we said we would last week. We watched Judas and the Black Messiah, which Ashling had watched already, but me and Sob had the pleasure of watching it this week. Mm-hmm. And it was a good film. I'd say yes. <laughs> I think it was it was yeah I think better than good I was like I didn't the pacing wasn't that much of a problem for me as I think you said it was like before yeah there's nah there's no way I could give it more than a 7 out of 10 like that thing hung hung by the performances I thought Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield yeah nominated for two Oscars they deserved them both I think yeah two of them are unreal in it yeah like Lakeith Stanfield hasn't got enough recognition for like Daniel Kaluuya is is amazing as well and I, I, he probably will win the Oscar, but no one really talked about 
the Keith Stanfield until he got the nomination like last week. He is like everything he does, everything I watched him in. He's just like he's like a scene stealer, and he's just so he's so good at like shifting emotions like really fast. Like even that like first scene when he's getting chased and when he steals the car. And he's like scared when the guy mm-hmm. sticks the knife in the top of the roof. He's like trying to get him off. He's kind of a bit terrified. And then he's kind of like the thrill of getting away. And he starts to kind of start to laugh. And then the police sirens come on. And he like turns to complete dread. And it's all in the space of like 10 seconds. Like just like shifting. Like that's, that's just so like impressive to me. Well, for anybody who isn't aware of Judas and the Black Messiah, who wants to quickly explain the plot? Essentially, the main plot is that. Uh, Fred Hampton was one of the leaders of a section of the Black Panthers and the cops used another man named Bill O'Neill to infiltrate the Black Panthers to get information on Fred Hampton and to ultimately take down the Black Panthers. And it kind of the main it's kind of portrayed the main character is it kind of floats between Fred O'Neill or uh, O'Neill and Fred Hampton. What did it say in the blurb? Did they mention the police in the blurb? They're kind of a big player in it, like. Well, it, well, it was it was the FBI, FBI yeah. more so. The than FBI the are kind of like. Yeah. Jesse Plemons plays a character who, who said who's kind of, tells um Lickie Stanfield what to do like O'Neill like, kind of gets him in, so he's kind of a he's in a lot he's in a lot more than Hollywood would be, he's in a, he has a good few scenes mm-hmm. with Lickie Stanfield that are all really really good, for those of you who don't know what happened, I think it's it's. A, really terrible like tragic story and it's it's a t- it is a tough watch yeah. that last act was really was really tough to watch yeah uh spoilers it's based on <laughs> a true story fred hampton got he shot got murdered, brutally he home, yeah. sleeping straight up murdered sleeping, yeah, yeah in his yeah. sleep they show it and the police all break in staying to me as well was the stat that came up where the police fired 99 rounds well fred hampton's a crew fired one at one stage and they all got charged with like multiple accounts of whatever yeah. for that instant yeah, attempted, attempted murder, murder attempted or murder. whatever that was what it was attempted murder yeah but yeah it's really horrifying mm. like your man's even going to answer the door for them and they just shoot him thank god things have changed in the past 50 no, years they have not it the yeah. real intrigue for me was um uh Lakeith stanfield's character bill o'neill trying to avoid getting caught by the black panthers trying to keep his uh, Judas facade up for the entire film. Yeah, that was yeah. kind of the the plot throughout. And yeah. man, that that kind of that scene at the end where you see the real Bill O'Neill. <laughs> that guy had no remorse, really, did he? He was like, history will speak for itself. I think he did. I think there is. A, I think he did. Cause he just maybe he didn't show it. He didn't say it. But I think there was interviews. With someone he was with, the woman he was with at the time, who said that the guilt ate him up for years afterwards. Now it's revealed at the end that um, Bill O'Neill shot himself after the airing of a documentary on mm, the whole but... thing. And now this, di- yeah, it didn't even enter into my mind. It was my brother who said it to me. Do you think he actually killed himself, or was he, was he not... murdered and it was made to look at a suicide? Was he not hit by a... I thought he um... ran in front of the traffic for some reason. I thought he ran in front of the traffic on the highway. I'm not sure. It, I just yeah. said it, I know. It just said suicide yeah. at the end, and my brother was the one who said, "Yeah, what's it, what's you know, do you think it was William actually suicide?" William O'Neill. Bi- yeah. yeah, Bill O'Neill. Yeah, William O'Neill. Oh, yeah, he definitely would have signed loads of things not to say anything, wouldn't he? Have? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. So 
Pesky government. Yeah, he ran into traffic on Interstate 290 and was hit by a car and killed. They ruled it suicide because he, his wife claimed it was accidental. Yeah. Right. Earlier in the evening, O'Neill had been drinking and attempted to jump out a second-story window and was pulled back inside. Yeah, could have been just shame and guilt from the airing of the actual documentary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. for sure. Like that That's what I guessed it the first time, but then when the other option was floated, I was just like, you know, I have no faith in the FBI or the justice system, so okay, yeah, I'll believe it. <laughs> yeah. Like, in the film, when, when, you, when you see Lakeista, I was I was wondering, like, is he, is he... Does he feel guilty for what he's doing? Because a lot of the time he seems to kind of enjoy the acting part because he walks out kind of laughing when he's... When he suggests, he uses the tactic to suggest there's a rat to kind of try to send off him, and they're all start arguing with each other. And he like goes out to the mm. back, and he has like he's kind of laughing when he's reversing in the car, as he kind of gets the fact that maybe he enjoys in you know, just the way the film did it in the first half, that he kind of has the thrill out of it or something. But he he certainly gets more into it, like into the message, I think. And then because when he is asked, even though he does betray Hampton, he is he's blackmailed into doing a kind of you know, you do this or you will, we will sell you out to the Black Panthers that you were an FBI informant and see how long you last. And then when he, we kind of see that even he's a, when he has to go put something, you know, we go to the house, the last time he sees Fred Hampton, he is incredibly like nervous and he looks guilty. Yeah. So I think there is like that, there is that kind of part of guilt there, even though he does do it in the end. He looked like he was getting that same thrill, you know, in the first scene where he's stealing the car. It was like that same facial recognition. Yeah, so that means he was was in the car as well. Yeah. So this got nominated for Best Picture and obviously the two supporting roles, Lakeith Stanfield, Daniel Kluwe. What do you guys feel about those three nominations? Do you think that one of the actors should have gotten lead or do you think the movie deserves the Best Picture or... I think Lakeith Stanfield is the lead. When I watched that, I felt like he was the lead. I was kind of surprised to see he's in support mm-hmm. actor because it focuses on him from the start. It it bookends it with the two in, with him being interviewed at the start and the end about the whole thing. It's kind of told a lot from his perspective of getting in and and the kind of that last moment out. Um. Yeah. And it kind of when even when it shows him pretending to be an FBI agent, it, it kind of whole thing focuses on him at the start. So I did feel that. He was the lead of the film, so I think. But I, I'm happy he gets a nominee. I don't know why they put him in thing, but um, he was so good. That dude is an amazing actor. Like everything I've seen him in, he's been so good. Yeah. So the two mm-hmm. two actor nominations, like as long as they're nominated, like yeah, like they both deserve recognition for it because they are both. And whenever they are on screen together, they were class as well. Their um chemistry was really good. For a best picture, I don't know because I haven't seen everything, and it was a dead year so they had to fill it up I guess yeah no yeah but yeah, I mean it's it was pretty it... powerful as well though in the sense of like you were when he leaves you seething at the end like you're like I just hate you just hate like that like you hate the police in America like you hate like, the FBI like at the end like just just really it does leave you like extremely angry mm-hmm. it feels like a film that the Academy would usually nominate anyway so they definitely loved it mm-hmm. so yeah I'd say it deserved sure. it but I don't know the two support and act thing. Um, I felt the film. You said it there last week, Ashling, that it didn't really. Fo- it felt like it focused. I know their stories conjoined in some way, but it felt like two different stories at one st- in throughout the film. Yeah. Like they were on two different paths that just kind of crossed. 
Like, I feel like at no stage did it focus on one more than the other. Because, uh, I mean, there was we were given so much about um, Hampton's personal life that we weren't given about O'Neill's. But then, I don't know, I really see it as it's more telling mm. the story and these are two characters in the story that we use as a way of telling the story more so than we're actually focusing on them. So I kind of understand the supporting thing, personally. I don't know, because you had a lot of... The, I just felt like Lakeith's in like so many scenes of the film. I think there's, I, I think as well with the fact that they book in, they have him even doing... They have Lakeith even dressed up doing the interview as well at the start. Uh, I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, and the fact it starts with him and it ends with him. I'm like, it just kind of feels like he is just like a bit of lead over because it's all about, like I guess showing his respect because you see his relationship with the FBI those kind of scenes as well when they were on screen together though I felt Kaluuya held the screen more in that respect though as well mm. uh, Lakeith's character always felt um, below him or whatever the power dynamic I think that was, was definitely the in. way it was intended yeah because yeah. he doesn't have like a lot of times when it's two of them in the screen on screen together Kaluuya is doing like the brunt of the talking and Lakeith's listening and he really was fantastic like, is watching him especially that one um, speech where, and it's used in the trailer where he's going you know I am yeah, a revolutionary that, see, I was watching that going like I if Daniel Kaluuya wanted to start up a revolutionary group I'd, I'd be like yeah using... sure I'd follow <laughs> yeah. anything he had to he's say he's so good <laughs> at using his eyes for emotion yeah. like he does it he mm. did it in get out like in stuff when when he gets hypnotized on the chair the first time and his eyes yeah. are like wide open and he's like holding back tears i was like the dude is so good mm-hmm. at like emoting with his eyes like you just really feel it like straight away because I, mean, I, I always notice and i'm watching like, i always look at his eyes like when he's and he feels like he's looking at you like when he's giving that speech when he, that, halfway through the film that like, the revolutionary one he's like go back and forth yeah. and just see like yeah and it's like it's just really really good good yeah. film it is available on sky on Sky for sixteen ninety nine. Welcome back to the Great Screen Debate, episode eleven version, and we have some hot topics for you today. Sub, what's our first? Well, since we were talking about the old Oscar nominations there for a second, our first one is, who is the best supporting actor that won? What was the best performance in a supporting role that won the Oscar? I'll go first, Willie. Go on, hit me. Yeah, go for it. Um, my pick is the 2008 performance by Christoph Waltz in Quentin Tarantino's classic Inglorious Bastards. Ooh. And um, this film's pretty long, but I think that man won his Oscar in the first. I I think I it's like a fo- uh, half an hour scene at the beginning. <laughs> it's a very long scene. I remember I tried to research it for college and I forgot how long it was. But it's like half an hour of him interrogating this farmer in the middle of the French countryside, and this farmer is um hiding a Jewish family under his floorboards. And, man, what a villain. (laughs) And isn't it, it's mostly in French. Well, it mixes between French and English, but it's mostly in French, isn't it? 
I'm going to have to take your word on that. It's been yeah. a few years. Yeah, he really wraps his French farmer around his finger and kind of manipulates him into thinking that he'd be better off giving up this poor Jewish family than uh, risking his own family. Just the tension that he builds up with his words and his movements. Um, yeah, he's the perfect movie Nazi. And there is a few. Okay. That's my pick. Okay. Interesting choice. So. My choice is for another person who portrayed a villain in a supporting role. That uh, A villain of sorts that's scared the bejeebus out of me. I think anyone that watched it, that was uh, J.K. Simmons and Whiplash from, from uh, I think, nearly five years ago now. I remember I saw that film, I saw the trailer, and I was like, this looks decent enough. And then I watched it, and I was like, oh, my God. This is this is one of the best things I've seen like in a while. I remember they took me by storm, and it all kind of, that's all because of J.K. Simmons, pretty much. Miles Teller is pretty good in it. That last scene is really great. But the most of the film, this tethers on, like, the fucking velocity like, of J.K. Simmons' performance because there was one of those it was the movie that kind of like when you talk when you think of, when you thought of J.K. Simmons before you thought of J. Jonah Jameson he's like he's just he's kind of funny he's he's a, kind of a, he does kind of, you know there's some serious stuff he's goofy he's kind of goofy he's like, he is angry in Spider-Man but he's like still funny in Spider-Man and then you watch him in Whiplash you're like oh god J.K. Simmons please don't ever give out to me ever I beg he was like that scary teacher you know when you were in school or something and you had that like teacher that would just scare the hell out of you like the principal that was scared but then he ramps that up to like 12 I mean that's what he literally is isn't he he is he's, a he's teacher a music who teacher. is constantly yeah, scaring and people he, that's what he, but he, and I remember yeah. sitting and watching there and I was like I just you feel like you're, the first time when he when he freaks out because for the first like two minutes the first few minutes of the movie you see him and his snippets and he seems like a normal he's like you know a bit of like a scary presence because of the way he just kind of stands around and like hovers over people to play their music and he's, he's like real yeah right you're in the band like no you're not in it doesn't not good enough walks off and the first time he's being real nice to Miles hey, just play it today you know it's your first day in the group you just be grand and then he can't get his tempo right and he just keeps saying not my tempo not my tempo and then that first scene when he lashes out at Miles and he just throws the part of the drum kit at him and then he starts berating him in front of the class yelling at him and then like insulting him for crying I remember just sitting there being like oh god this is like a nightmare this is like this is like someone's nightmare just come to life like being in a class and being like berated by a teacher and something that like reminds you like you know mm-hmm. when you're younger or something everyone had that teacher when like you were in school and younger that you hated or like you were kind of like a bit fearful of to get on the bad side of and he just like ramps that up but then yeah he becomes a complete like he is completely like kind of crooked in it and just yeah He's terrifying. It's just genuinely one of the most like commandingly terrifying performances in like a non like, and it's a non like action movie and it's a non like you know like comic book thing. He's just it's a realistically terrifying dude, I guess. I will say one thing before I let Luke go. Um, you were saying that you know you're used to seeing him and seeing like comedic roles. Have you ever watched Oz the TV no. show? No. Is that yeah. a prison drama is he, thing? Is he in that prison drama? Yeah. Yeah, where J.K. Simmons plays a horrifying oh, Nazi man who I've never rapes seen like half the cast. I was thinking the movie was him in like... <laughs> him okay. in like... Because like, <laughs> oh, most people, when you think about J.K. Simmons, like most people only knew him from Spider-Man. Like, that was the main thing. <laughs> okay, I know some people who when you say J.K. Simmons, they're like... <laughs> I, I've never even heard of Fucking Oz, hell. So. Okay. Um... All right, I I love it. I love we have two, quote unquote, bad guys, 
they're in a boxing match together. Luke, how would this fight go down between these two? And how would Christoph Waltz come out on top? <laughs> Doesn't he put his tail between his legs at the end of the film and literally gives up on the Nazi party as soon as they start losing? Yeah, no. Christoph Waltz is an, <laughs> his character is an absolute weasel. Like he's, he's, like a, he's a classic Nazi. He only yeah. cares about himself. Like his nickname in the film is the Jew Hunter. So he goes around searching, hunting and killing terrified Jewish people for no apparent reason, like all horrible Nazis. And he does it any means necessary. He, um, when I, like, a lot of people, like, when I was thinking about J.K. Like, like Simmons, like, he hadn't really, I just, it was, like, a whole different side, like, a whole just, like, just, like, force that I saw, like, just acting-wise. He just kind of took the whole movie by storm. And it was just, like, it was just one of those, like, where, where you, like, you remember, like, kind of, that movie and when you think of that movie you think of him you think of Inglorious Bastards yeah sure Christoph Waltz is really great in that but you think of like Brad Pitt like a lot of like that scene in the bar the underground bar with Michael Fassbender and all there's so many other things you can think about but when you associate the movie Whiplash like it was a good a small budget movie you just think of the powerhouse performance of J.K. Simmons that carries the whole thing through mm. like it's, it's completely and utterly terrifying from start to finish that's a good point Okay, does anybody have any final uh, Yes, I'm correct. <laughs> Looks wrong. I think you've said more than enough, Sab. We're going to give Luke a chance to defend the Nazi oh, man. Oh, yeah, defend the Nazi man, Luke. Um, I was actually going to pick J.K. Simmons too. I watched Whiplash last week. <laughs> <laughs> I watched Whiplash last week and I was like, it's already taken. Both excellent points made. I haven't seen oh. Whiplash, but... I don't want to because J.K. Simmons scares me. I've never me. seen Oz. I, really want to, yeah, I may watch Oz if he's terrifying in that as well, but he was, he's absolutely unbelievably terrifying in Whiplash. Like, he was scared mm-hmm. the hell out of him. He doesn't rape half the cast, though. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it's literally in the first episode. Oh, my God. Like, and he's, like, so nice to the character. And then he's just like, oh, no, like I own you now. And then it immediately cuts to a scene. I didn't know he was in that Oz like, oh, this... at all. I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah, he's one of the main characters. Um, okay, back to the point at hand. Kind of similar to last week. I don't feel like I can make... Nah, surely um, I just can see the point. I surely I just can see the point for I'll a terrible point. argument. I'll take off. I'll, take... <laughs> I'll, I'll just leave my sword on the ground and go, oh. Fall on it, Luke. Fucking fall on it. I will, I will say, Luke, when I think of Inglorious Bastards, the first thing I think of is Christoph Waltz going, that's oh, a big yeah. <laughs> So. I forgot about that. that? <laughs> so, she, he should get an Oscar just for that line. <laughs> Since the release of the, the new Suicide Squad trailer today, we asked who will be the standout in the new Suicide Squad. Saab, who's your picky... I'm gonna have to stick with him. We were talking about him earlier, and he's just—I've never been—I've I've never been more attached to a character in my life before. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> and the character I don't know well enough, but it's Polka Dot Man. He's gonna—I'm st- telling you. He's seriously more attached to him than you are to J. J. Whatever his J. name Jonah is. Jameson. <laughs> Joe, J. Jonah Triple Jameson. J. Triple J. Hey, Jesus. You're underplaying how, how good he is as J. Jonah Jameson in those movies. He's great. I must say again, I haven't yep. seen oh, them. Yeah. Well, we said it last them? week. <laughs> I forgot about it. I don't want to. Really good. The, part of the third one, the first two are really good. 
This isn't the point uh, that we're making. Talk about Pokemon. Okay, it's a guy with polka dots on his suit, and he can do, and they do mad things. They press, he presses the polka dot, and they have different weapons in them. One of them is a little flying saucer that comes out, and he hops in that. That's one of his. That's one of his polka dots. <laughs> that's one of his polka dots. That's one yeah, of his. Yeah, it's a flying dots. saucer. He has the weirdest abilities. They have little blades, and then they have little guns. They have like all sorts of like, crazy weapons they transform into. But yeah. He's the most ridiculous character I've ever seen in a comic book thing. He hasn't even seen the full movie. His outfit is comics accurate by the looks of it in the trailer. And the way they're marketing this movie is really interesting because he was in that feature I did a few months ago. He was in a good few shots of that. And I was like, mm. he seems to be like around and around. I thought he was going to be the first. I thought when I heard he was in it, he'll be the first or second to go. Like just comedic punchline. Mm. Just, so I think... His scenes are going to be... And in the trailer as well, he was in all the different locations. I was looking at them and I was like, they're on here. He's still here. He's in the meeting when like there's only like five of them and they're like sitting around getting like a meeting mm-hmm. with, with Amanda Waller. He's in the front. And um, another hint as well, I think, is they put up posters for each character. Like all the main ones. He got his own poster. It's just him. And like all the polka dots flying around. Mm, and since yeah. standing there, David does Malchian. And James Gunn has a, like a little quote from like a character saying, "How does it feel to be the punchline?" So I think he's gonna have a full arc, where people are gonna make fun of him for being the most ridiculous looking character ever, and he's gonna be like a hero for them at the end, and he's gonna be like not a joke. So I think he's literally gonna be like one of the hearts of the movie, and he's gonna like steal the show. That's my pick. My pick is the obvious one. I think she was the standout of the original two thousand sixteen film. She was one of only four characters to make it back for this so-called kind of sequel. Uh, it's Margot Robbie's Harley Quinn. When you think of Harley Quinn these days, you just think of Margot Robbie's performance. She brings all the chaos and joy we come to expect from the character. She has more heart than the Joker. She has some redeeming qualities. You know, there's a bit of humanity left in her. She's a chaotic trickster. And you don't know which way she's going to go. Like, her character's so random that it will add to any stories that she's in. Like, even in that trailer today, they're going to save her from a prison and somehow she's already miraculously escaped. And from from the ashes of the terrible original Suicide Squad, she was the only one to get her own mm-hmm. solo film. So, yeah. yeah. Justifiably. Yeah. Yeah. Give him another year, man. Poke that man might get his own. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how he does it this time around. Poke that man's a loser. <laughs> Yeah, and that's going to be the it. arc. They're going to call him a loser the whole movie, and he's going to he's going to be like he's going to have like a whole arc of him, like you know, kind of coming into his own and helping them out, and like they'll be like, well, he's not a loser. He's the polka dot man. <laughs> he's like his full name. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, the he's polka the polka dot man. They're going to give him the respect he fucking deserves at the end of the movie. And I, I think Harley Quinn will be good in it, like, but I don't think she's going to have any arc. I think she's just going to be there for the ride, like. Because she's had her own movie, and they're just kind of, kind of going to have her near the end, like near with the team. I think he's going to focus a lot on the new characters, like Idris Elba's character, John Cena's character, and I think as well, the Polka Dot Man. Like all of them are going to be have more kind of character arcs going towards her because they've done her in Suicide Squad. She had her arc in Birds of Prey, so then a water angle would even be in this movie. Other than she's just part of the squad now again, and whatever, they're just going to actually be there. I'll, she might have more, I think, but yeah, I think we think people are when you think of people are gonna be like when you think of standouts or they always kind of think of someone new because we've seen her like three times. Would this be the third or fourth time we've seen her play the character? So people mm. will be like always looking for someone new to stand out. 
And because Polkadot Man is such an abs- is such a wildly unique concept, I think if anyone's gonna pull <laughs> off him being like a memorable, fun, funny character with like an arc, it's James Gunn because he loves all that kind of those kind of like forgotten characters of like comics, like bringing them into their own. So I feel like he's gonna he's gonna do it just to make a point that he can do it with these characters. And I think he's friends with David Dasmalchin as well. Like I think so. I think he's gonna like try to like make it a, like a launching pad for him to play this like weird like character because he's in so many scenes of the trailer and he has stuff on his own like he's and he had that little quote when he was doing all the other character posters today he was like oh yeah i love margot robbie she's great you know john cena is going to be really funny and then for david dallas masters one he had a quote of the character and like the kind of solo playing and i'm like he's definitely doing something weird with the, with the character so i think it's definitely gonna be one to watch I think he might he, he will be interesting, something new and fresh to see. But um, I feel he will be a sidekick, kind of a side character to the to the big three, to Bloodsport, to Harley Quinn, to Rick Flag, and probably John Cena's character. Even James Gunn said, going into this film, that he was most excited to see what he could do with Harley Quinn because he he was so impressed by the character in past films. He was basically like, oh yeah, sometimes with Harley Quinn, she writes the script herself. She's so out there and chaotic that sometimes her actions make the next page flip. So I think she'll still be the standout. Like, mm. like when everything else has failed, you still need that pole position character to keep the franchise upheld, to make sure even if everything goes wrong, you still have something to make after, if this bombs or whatever. I don't think it will. In the way the trailer was looking, even though she is there, like they've made, they made, they made a lot of it seem like the main two will be John Cena and Idris Elba, the way they were playing off each other. But them two will be like the struggling for, struggling for the lead kind of thing. Their their dynamic. So the trailer kind of made it seem like that. And then, so I don't know how much of arc will be. I think she'll still be just. I think she'll be great because she's she kind of has that character nailed down. She kind of knows how to play it anyway. But yeah. I think I'm just it's gonna people it's it's gonna be to audience even if even if he is a sidekick to those three sidekicks can still stand out like side characters can still be the ones that stand out most because they're so unique and people just kind of take a real like attachment to them. I think that it kind of like has that underdog kind of aspect to it as well. He's not the main character, but we love this guy and he stands out way much more. Like you know, I think that be kind of how it works. Even like you know like think of like Batista when he was in like Infinity War everyone was kind of like talking about Batista in Infinity War because he was really funny in those few scenes like the, like the invisible scenes he just kind of stood out just for his unique mm-hmm. just for being funny I think he'll have like like even when, like Ashton said in the trailer he had the best part one of the best parts of the trailer when it was one line one simple line and he nailed the delivery and uh, you already know his character's like just sped up <laughs> just like he's sick of being the joke the brunt of the joke everyone's jokes he wants to like he's just fed up and sick of it and it'll just be like him kind of saving the squad and like getting like a like you know yeah building him back up said so much with he's two just, words yeah just i, I hope <laughs> this is like i hope so it was like we're all gonna die i hope so like mm-hmm. it was so a perfect deadpan delivery the actor david dasmalchin is, is 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 extremely like kind of he's just kind of he's, he's just he's always been around kind of underrated underappreciated and i hope i hope i hope he does stand out as well because i kind of want to it's polka dot man. If he can make if he can make people come out of the audience and say, "Man, I loved polka dot man," that would be amazing. That <laughs> would just be an amazing achievement. It's better than any Oscar. <laughs> I made the audience love the character named Polka Dot Man. Uh, my final point will be, like Johnny Depp with Jack Sparrow. I think these days, when you mention Margot Robbie, you think Harley Quinn, and when you hear Harley Quinn, you think Suicide Squad. 
And I think she's going to carry this franchise on her back like she did the last one. So you don't see her much in the trailer, as you said. And when Idris and John Cena are together, I don't think she's present with them. So I feel it could be two separate arcs, her and Rick, Rick Flagg, and then their characters. Mm -hmm. But we'll see, I guess. She's with the polka that man in the scene where it's just the two of them or, or someone else and they're jumping across a building. So maybe maybe our two characters are going to have a crazy act together. <laughs> they're going to have a crazy side, like, you know, road trip. Harry Quinn has a new love interest. Polka Dot Man's going to carry this movie on one of his fucking saucers, all right? <laughs> <laughs> one of his fucking polka dots. He's going to press spheres. the button. There was also a shot as well in the featurette where he, like, he's shooting, like, one of his polka dots at someone and like oh, yeah. it's like one of the green ones and it looks so cool the way he's like throwing it out and like it's getting bigger as it goes out and like it's like chopping chip people so and the fact that it's right or there's gonna be some cool there's definitely gonna be some cool shots where he like just presses the polka dot and like flies around and like, it just cuts through people um as excited as i am for harley always harley i was very much taken by polka dot man um in this trailer and pretty much for the reasons it's all listed Again, with with just that one delivery of one line, it was the thing that probably made me laugh the most in the trailer and immediately just painted a picture of what kind of character he is. And I think that James Gunn could use that kind of character to great comedic effect. Um, I'm going to agree with Sab on this one, but I'm definitely looking forward to seeing Harley. And I think you're absolutely right, Luke, that, um, that yeah, like they, I mean, the whole thing does hinge on Harley. She... You, she Nobody would care about Suicide Squad if it wasn't for her. The final debate of episode 11. What comedy actor should star in a horror film slash franchise? This was brought on by uh, the news that the new Saw film starring one Mr. Chris Rock is moving up and getting released in May. And I remember when the movie was announced, everybody was really surprised at the idea of Chris Rock writing. Yeah, I think he yeah, wrote it he? and starring yeah. in... yeah. A Saw movie of yeah. all things. That's so. what Samuel L. Jackson is. I'm yeah. interested. Yeah. Those... So I'm interested to hear your guys' ideas. <laughs> Those films are such gore porn. I love them. My pick for the next horror actor maestro is none other than Jonah Hill himself. Oh. As we... Two-time Academy Award Yes, Monique. that is one reason why I picked him. But not, also, <laughs> not just that, but the boy got range. He started off in his young mm. career doing comedy such things as super bad but then later on in his career did many a drama film nominated for two academy awards one for kind of comedy drama wolf of wall street and drama drama moneyball he also starred in that thriller with um don't know the name of it but james franco it was not good <laughs> it was not good it was not good true story but, um, it was called my idea for him mm. is like no matter what the I don't have a pitch for a film here but no matter what the concept of the horror film he could be the protagonist he could be like the odd uh, the, the like oh no I'm gonna be murdered or killed by this big bad monster serial killer who knows but I feel like he could al he also has that dark streak in him Jonah Hill could be the antagonist of the film the villain the horror if you will because he has that he has that mm. kind of evil streak to a degree in Wolf of Wall Street he has that kind of edge to him but also in uh, in War Dogs, you know he could portray a good a good bad kind of bad guy in a horror film, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's my pick. Not a bad one. Ooh. I picked another guy who does comedy, but he's also shown that he has a really good range for drama, and that is one Mr. Adam Sandler, the Sandman. 
hot, hot uncut gems, and then not hot off Hubie Halloween. <laughs> Razzie Award nomination. Yeah, he went from like unbelievable uncut gems, like my jaw was on the floor, how good he was, and then to to Hubie Halloween. I was like, ah, yes, just the classic Sandler. <laughs> He's got to stay humble to his roots sometimes. He's got to stay there. But yeah, I think he'd be really interesting to do like other kind of horror. If it was a horror movie or like a horror TV show, I was thinking like if they're to do Haunting of Hill House season three, like another anthology series where it's like <laughs> set on him, where he's like a grieving widow. He's like a he's like a dad who's like raising like two or three young kids, but the wife had passed away. He's like raising them on his own. They moved to this. They're in this like kind of creepy house where he's kind of the kind of fallen over here because he's played a character. He's played a few characters that like. Dealing with grief, he had a film called Rain Over Me years ago mm. with Don Cheadle, which he was unbelievably good in as well. Like he's just surprisingly great. Mm. He kind of does those things. Like I think you kind of play that really well, or like you know, kind of seeing ghosts of the past and kind of dealing with the kind of horrors there, trying to protect his kids. Or you could do like another one. I think would be interesting. Where like kind of a shining s to side, where like the haunt the house is kind of making him lose his mind, and like kind of make him go a bit more stir crazy as it goes on. Like you could kind of do that as well. Yeah, he's definitely shown like his his dramatic chops in a few few films. He had the Funny People, which was kind of like kind of had that drama element as well. He had uh, Uncle James, as I said, which was just really, really like uh, he was so good in that film. Like he's, he's also like he's, he's his character. He's the main character in it, but he's like his character is kind of like an antagonist as well. He's kind of like a real shady character. He kind of plays that really well. So I definitely think he could do. He's proven to be an antagonist he could do that in a horror theme element kind of be someone creepy because he is really creepy in Uncle Gems his character is kind of a, is, is kind of has that kind of une- unnerving uneasy kind of like thing around him but I think as well um, mm. you could you could do loads of different things in horror with him like horror. you could even do like in Haunting Hill House season 2 they kind of had that real element of love and like kind of desperate love and you know mixed with all this kind of drama mm. he did that in a film called Punch Drunk Love which he's also great in like he could really kind of balance all these different things it's like a really good horror story especially a TV show it was a horror one of him I think he'd be such a good one to cast for like one of the that season three of that show as like a dad kind of moving into a house maybe he falls in love with someone else after like you know losing someone so you have him dealing with grief and dealing with the drama of the ghost and then maybe like, you know all these different elements yeah I just think he'd be a good fit for all that stuff something different as well seeing him do like a third thing different he's done drama comedy to see him go into like horror and be like really cool um the only thing I feel Jonah might have over the Sandman I can actually picture Adam Sandler doing that scene from The Shining saying here's the Sandman <laughs> oh god <laughs> but oh, yeah, Jonah Hill uh, I don't know if you'd call it horror but uh, maybe to a degree very camp kind of comedy horror but in this is the end where we have the exorcism mm. of Jonah Hill and he gets fucking he gets raped by the devil or whatever and then his body gets oh, God. Uh, possessed or whatever we kind of get a glimpse of what he'd be like if you were to do an exorcist film and the main character was Jonah <laughs> Hill yeah I don't know what he'd do he'd probably just go after all the all the papers that always talk about his fluctuating weight it's probably gotten to him too much so yeah, that's what mm-hmm. I think Jonah Hill has on top of Sandman. He's kind of <laughs> comedy horror. That's all he has. Well, you can count Huey Halloween, I guess, but we haven't seen that. Well, we know Sandler can do comedy. At time. Like, he's done a lot of bad ones, but I mean, back in the 90s and stuff, and I guess some other stuff from the 2000s, he, he'd show him when he has, a, when he has like, a good script and he cares, he can do comedy. 
But just a lot of the time he doesn't care. <laughs> he just he's just making movies with his friends. I think. Yeah, I think he, if Sandler could definitely do a horror comedy if he wanted. Like if you wanted to do like a, like a Scream Five or something with Adam Sandler, I'd watch the hell out of that. With him being like this is the prime <laughs> suspect. <laughs> just, where he he's like the new cock in town. He's like kind of like because Dewey's like you know he's like retired and in comes Adam Sandler is like the new cop. You think Adam Sandler is younger than Not David younger, Arquette? Sorry, he could just be the new cop. Like <laughs> just the new cop. Okay. Uh, you could just yeah just be the new cop in town. You know dealing with. I mean, in fairness, it's like. Scream does has that thing where they always kill like the famous people in the yeah. openings. So. Yeah, I'd watch uh, Adam Sandler and chase them instead of seeing like a big basketball jersey or something <laughs> on the way. Is he playing yeah, himself? He always wears those. He wears those. That's you know a movie with Adam Sandler isn't probably going to be that good when he wears one of those jerseys. He's just being himself. He's like, yeah, but I'm going to <laughs> going to shoot today. He doesn't wear dress up for it. He just goes in his normal clothes. I'm making a movie with Kevin James and stuff today. So. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but. Back to the point, yeah. He could definitely do like something like a scream. Mm-hmm. He could fit like loads of different roles in I think in scream. Like he could be like one of the prime suspects, he could be like one of the cops in if like Dewey's not in it or you know, just kinda of one of those kind of roles. Uh he'd probably fit in really easily. Have it set in the early two thousands. Something like that. That's the best era of slashers, like I think for me. it's my favourite era. I don't know why I just think of Scream One, I love that movie. I love, I love the first Scream movie. I think like I mean that's 1996. It's just what I saw. It makes me think of the 2000s for some reason. Cause I saw it. <laughs> okay. It's all the same. Not a lot of change. It's like not the a lot most, of change. It's like the most 90s yeah, horror like, movie yeah, ever. Not a lot of change from like 96 to 2000. It's like the same kind of like look, aesthetic, and those kind mm. of yeah. And the rest of the Scream movies came. Out. Say that to Scream Three that did come out in 2000 and is much different. Yeah. <laughs> I still like that one, but. Uh, of your pitch of pitch one main one definitely I don't think Jonah I don't know if Jonah could do the whole grieving kind of you know thing grieving widow kind of thing or like raising the kids in the haunted house by himself and offend himself <laughs> have, you, kids. have you not seen the babysitter he raises <laughs> children in that <laughs> he failed in that he fucking failed <laughs> Also, I will play you like you were the one that has put this stipulation that the movie you're proposing is like a grieving dad in a house. Maybe Jonah Hill's playing a serial no, no, killer. I'm, I'm saying Maybe he's. Things, sorry, I'm just saying what he, what you'd have what you'd <laughs> yeah. have over him, what role he could do over him. That's like really interesting in a okay. horror, like you've seen in some things. Like, I know Adam Sandler hasn't been in any horrors, but the only one that keeps coming to my head is I don't know if you've both seen Little Nicky, where he plays like the devil's son, That's and he has just this horrible, this horrible. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but you can count it as an Omen spin-off, but that is a terrible film with yeah. his fucking <clears throat> voice. Yeah, no, I'm talking a movie no. where he takes himself, where he takes the job seriously. If Netflix are paying for it, he ain't taking it yeah, serious. No, no. <laughs> well, the role I was describing him, I think he'd be a great fit for like, so whatever, even if it isn't he has Mike Flanagan to team up with Adam Sandler for something different like that would be really interesting because like, Mike Flanagan seems to be just kind of killing everything he does in horror at the moment. He's, I enjoy everything he does recently. So I really think one of those roles, he'd definitely find a really good suiting role for him in that. Because he just buy it when he, when, he, when he takes him seriously. Like every time, every time Sandler is taking a role seriously, he's always impressed. 50 50 chance he will take it serious, though. Depends on the. <laughs> but not like a serious director behind it, he will. Like, cause, I mean, he's never worked with, like a seriously good like director or writer and not gone for it. Like, he's worked with Paul Thomas Anderson. Like, he 
nailed it. He's worked with the Safety brothers. Like nailed it. You know, I think he was to work with someone like Mike Flanagan, it would be like a serious production, and it would be real. I think when he, when he's not doing it under, mainly the ones that mainly are bad is when it's under his production company. What was it called? Happy Madison. What's the, what's the name of his production company? Happy Madison. Whenever most times he does that, it is it's it's you can tell. Whenever he's gone outside that, like you know, it's when he's impressed most. You good? Well, personally, I think I'm going to agree with Nick on this one. I think that um, I would never would have considered Jonah Hill for a horror movie, but now, like the more I'm thinking about it, I think I could definitely see him as being like that quietly, unassumingly intimidating creep character that like something just doesn't feel right. And uh, I could see him like a Kevin Spacey in Seven type of thing. Oh yeah, that'd be real creepy. Mm. I was yeah. picturing him in Sinister instead of Ethan Hawke. I just keep picturing Jonah Hill's face. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, God. He's there with, like, the shaking whiskey yeah. glass and, and the big yeah. cardigan. Oh. Jonah Hill has Michael Myers. Yeah. Just... <laughs> he just lifts up the mask. Hey, it's me. Um, yeah. Like, you know, all fairness to Adam Sandler, but I wouldn't be able to watch an, a horror movie and not think I'm watching Adam Sandler well that is the end of the great screen debate and this brings the end of the episode episode 11 of Ireland's best film and TV podcast brought to you according to everyone according to our 21 (laughs) reviews (laughs) on iTunes according to Ash's friend in America she loves all of us she loves films but um Thank you, um. everyone. Sob, Ashling. Thanks as always. I might re-record an introduction and introduce you to make you both happy. <laughs> and slip that yeah. in. Um, but for yeah. next week, we will be discussing The Sound of Metal. We will watch that. And will we will we bully ourselves to watch another one? Will we watch Mank? Get it out of the way. I'm pretty sure we won't I have a lot to you. say about it. It's one of the eight nominated ones. We said we'd do it. You can't leave one out. Yeah. Let's leave Mank till the yeah. end. <laughs> As a dessert. <laughs> Thanks to everyone for listening. This has been episode 11 of the Screen Bait podcast. Please listen. Please tell somebody you know to listen. Please follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And tell your friends. Ashling Sub. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> you set that up. I didn't know what I was doing. <laughs>